Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the DE Podcast. I'm joined by Aiken Rage, and we have a packed podcast for you guys. The first round of the NBA playoffs has officially concluded. Um, we have tons of, you know, surprises. We have um, a lot of things that we expected to happen. Um, and honestly, today we're going to be doing a brief analysis of the first round, our predictions for the second round, and we might have a little bit of a trivia for Aiken Rage in the middle of the podcast um so i say we kick it kick right to it um before the, we begin make sure to subscribe on youtube and like the video and do the same on all your other platforms and let's begin so the first series we have a couple brooms we have the celtics who swept the nets for although all the games were close um the celtics definitely show that they are a true championship contender in my opinion um and you had you know, some good stats. You had the highest scoring person on the Celtics was Jason Tatum, their star player, uh, averaging 29.5 points per game, which I think is just incredible. Uh, so much improvement from Jason Tatum. And also one guy that I thought stood out was Grant Williams. Coincidentally, he actually went to my school that I go to currently <laughs> um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. So he averaged 11 points per game. For, um, and he was four rebounds, but he did only play 29 minutes per game. And he did, he did use that bench role. He was a starter sometimes. So he definitely did better than what I thought he would do. Um, and then for the Nets, honestly, I'm trying to think about like, I mean, all the games were close, but Kevin Durant did ha- average 26 points per game. Kyrie Irving averaged a little bit over 21 points per game. Um, but honestly, in my opinion, I don't know about you, Akers, but it did feel like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant didn't really have much support around them as they did towards the uh, at the playing game against the Cavs. That's what I thought they did an amazing job of. Um, but yes, you did have Seth Curry, Bruce Brown. I would draw Bruce Brown played really good in those last two games of the series. Um, but definitely there needs to be improvement on that. So. You know, and Amish, what like who do you think is to blame for this? Is it you know the other guys other than KD and Kyrie? Is it KD and Kyrie? Is it Steve Nash? Uh, should they fire Steve Nash? Like what? Do you, what? Who do you think is to blame for you know the the bad play performance? Uh, I definitely am going to blame KD and Kyrie. As a Nets fan, I have to say that like yeah, okay, they averaged twenty six and twenty one points per game respectively, but like the performance was the performances that they had after game one at least. They were just really bad overall. I mean, KD, he only shot 38% from the field, um, which is his lowest ever in a playoff series. Kyrie was a little bit better at uh, 50, at 44%, but still, I mean, not the most efficient in the world. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just feel like if they were going to play against the Boston team, who's just been playing so well since January, they really needed to come out every single night and put up really great performances. And you didn't really see that. Um, from either of them. Katie didn't have one all series long. Kyrie had a really good game one, but outside of that, even he was kind of meh overall. And I feel like a lot of the time in the games, at least in game three and game four, I was watching, it was like Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Seth Curry, all those guys were stepping up. They were getting points um, that you would expect Kyrie, Kyrie and Katie to be going for. Like Bruce Brown, I think he had like 20 points at halftime in game three. And I mean, that was just completely crazy. So I feel like it was the Nets more than um, – I mean, I feel like it was Katie and Kyrie more than the supporters. Yeah, honestly, I think – I mean, I think 
the Nets either underestimated the Celtics too much. I mean, just from what I saw, I watched – I think I did watch, like, a little bit of all – I didn't obviously watch all four of the four games, but I watched, like, a little yeah. bit of all four games. And I just thought Kyrie Irving was just, like, so motivated to beat the Celtics um, that, like, I think they almost kind of un- underestimated them. They thought oh, it was going to be just, like, last year, 4-1, you know. Easy, but the, uh, the the Celtics are a much better team than they were last year, um, and also they've gone they they're kind of better in the playoffs. They at the beginning of the season they looked exactly like they looked last season. You know, not I mean, okay team, but then they went on a humongous run. I believe they they won like twenty five out of like twenty nine games or something like that. I mean, they went absolutely crazy. I'm um, capturing the second seed, so. I'm ha- I'm I'm excited to see what they can do against Milwaukee, which we'll obviously mention a little bit later. Um, but also in terms of like Kyrie and KD's legacies, I mean, listen, KD is older. He's 33 years old. I mean, I'm I could say maybe he's in the last five six years of his career, maybe even less than that. So I definitely think that if KD wants to ring, like next year is definitely the time to go out and get one. I think they, they need to figure out how that because if you look at the rosters, there's so many guys that were really good, but now they're like out of their prime. You have Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin played well in game four, but that's one game, right? Then you have Andre Drummond, who's still solid. Uh, he's only 28. Not own, but he's 28, so he's still young. Patty Mills is 33. Draj is 35, so he's <laughs> old. Nick Claxton is young. He shot terribly from the free throw line i absolutely terrible he shot four 22 free throws he made four out of 22 that's like that's below 25 percent. like what the heck then you have bruce brown who has a bright future seth curry is also at a decent age Kyrie Irving is 29 years old so i think that if Kyrie Irving can pull it together in the next few years i think he can definitely go for another ring um but I think that Boston has a legitimate chance of winning the title this year, um, or at least making the finals. I shouldn't say win the title. I mean, they do have a chance of winning, but they definitely have a tough opponent in Milwaukee. Um, but I think we can move on. Um, anything you want to say, Kamish? Final thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say one final thing about, like, Brooklyn. I feel like what they've done, like, this whole KD Kyrie experiment was, like, Right now, it's just like a complete failure overall because they traded away D'Angelo Russell. They got rid of a lot of young talent to get uh, – they got rid of Jared Allen, if you remember, for the James Harden deal. They got rid of a lot of young guys who are probably going to be all-stars in the future so they could have KD, Kyrie, and some veterans and really go on a title run. But, like, what that got them is, like, in 2020, KD and Kyrie both didn't even play in the playoffs. They were both injured. So they got swept by the Raptors or something. I forget. Um and then 2021, you know, Kyrie gets hurt in game three. They, they were up 2-0. They eventually lose in seven to the Bucks, who win the championship. So, I mean, unlucky. And then this year, they were the one seed in, like, January. Now they're down to the seventh seed by the playoffs. And it's just looking bad overall. Lots of injuries. And they get swept. So Yeah, the, the like- thing the – problem, the problem with Brooklyn – sorry to interrupt. But the problem with Brooklyn is that, listen – they were the ones – well, Kevin Durant, okay, he's their star player. He's one of the best players in the NBA. 
But one guy gets injured and you go from the one seat to like the 10 seat. Like, come on, you cannot. And it's not, and they didn't play hard teams, all those, all of those games. They went on like an 11 game win, losing streak, some, something like that along those lines. But I mean, I don't think this is a good way to kind of interpret the James Harden trade. But in since Harden went to Philadelphia in a way, you kind of, it's in a way, you kind of traded like Jared Allen and all those guys over to, fit, um, not to Philly, but it was like a three team trade. But you traded like James, Jared Allen, Karis Levert, um, for, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond in a way because they kind of went for James Harden. I don't, that's not a good way to say it, but yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. And like, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's I don't even want to talk about Ben Simmons, but like, he's <laughs> I, I feel like we just forget about him because he's actually he was in that trade too, but I don't even know what he's doing. He was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna play game four and then just doesn't play. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know because if you have a guy who does, doesn't even play the entire season in as a main guy in the trade for James Harden. Come on, like look at James Harden. Like as a Raptors fan, even though I even I have to say James Harden. When James Harden played really good, they won. When they when he played terrible, they lost. So like James Harden is really that key guy, and I think Brooklyn was just in that stretch with KD being injured and all that stuff where James Harden was frustrated. And I think he's doing great in Philly right now, but Brooklyn definitely has to. Over the offseason, I I say trade some of these guys away. Trade maybe Goran Dragic, Patty Mills, or some something like that for some younger talent. Maybe like, huh? I don't know. There's so many teams in the NBA, but maybe like something like for in Detroit for like Sadiq Bay or Jeremy Grant. Get Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay on your team. Like Sadiq Bay is, although their team is literally the like worst than like any team I've ever seen. <laughs> in terms of their record, like Sadiq Bay is incredible. He scored like 50 points in his last game of the season or something like that. So Sadiq Bay, and I actually I was I was I was fortunate to watch him. Like the way he moves on the court and the way he like shares the ball is like incredible. So I think if the Nets can get some of that on his on their team, they have a legitimate chance. And yeah, it'll probably yeah. and it'll probably be nice for Sadiq Bay and you know Jeremy Grant to go to the playoffs <laughs> for once. Um but yeah, yeah and like and like I agree and like Honestly, it, over the summer, they need to go to Ben Simmons. They need to go to, like, his house in New York or wherever. They need to call him up to the Buckley Center. They need to have a meeting with him. Like, they need Steve Nash, Katie, Kyrie. They need everybody. Like, all the important players. They need the GM. They need everybody there sitting with him. They need to ask him, like, the question, will you play this whole season, like, the upcoming season? And if he even goes, like, maybe, they just need to trade him. Like, they, he should just not be there. Because he's so unreliable uh, over the past year. Like, you already got rid of Harden, who is a really good, who was an MVP like less than three years ago. Um, so that was, that was like five years ago, but okay. Whatever. whatever. Like I mean, can, can, MVP candidate. Like, well, we can, MVP, we can say yeah. that. MVP yeah. candidate. Like, so, I mean, I don't know. They have to get Ben Simmons to play. If he's not playing, and it's like, why did you even do that whole giant trade and everything? Yeah. yeah. But guys, I think we should move on to. A chance, another team that has a legitimate chance of going far. We have the Miami Heat beating Atlanta four games to one. We had Jimmy Buckets averaging 30 and a half points per game. Ooh. Great series. The rest of the team, nothing special in terms of points, but definitely had some good team chemistry there. Uh, you had, you know, Duncan Robinson, Victor Oladipo, all those really good guys on the bench. Kyle Lowry even injured for one game, but they still managed to have you know put the put their foot on the hawk's neck um 
For the Hawks, DeAndre Hunter had an impressive series, averaged about 21 points per game. Trey Young averaged 15 points, which may not look bad, but it is bad. Not a good series. How much of a loss is on him? I mean, Trey Young is young. That's the positive. Trey Young's 23 years old. I mean, I think so far in his career and those years that he's been to the playoffs, he's definitely proven himself. But, you know, this year he's definitely not not a good series for him. Um, I don't think it's honestly the team's fault. I just think if Trey Young averaged like 25, 30 points per game, it would have been better for them because it's not like they got destroyed every game. I think they got destroyed one or two games. Um, so Trey Young definitely needs to step up his role, um, especially in, in those moments in the playoffs where it matters most. Um, but the Heat set up a matchup with Philadelphia in the second round. Should have been Toronto, but we don't talk about that. Um, Miami. We're going to talk about that next, actually. Yeah. So, so my, my prediction, I think we'll discuss it more as we get to Philly, like in the Raptors. But I think Miami will win the series. Well, I'll, I'll specify the games later, but I think they have, they're going to win the series and have a legitimate chance of making the finals. I mean, the East is like super competitive this year, which is a big improvement over the last five years when there was something called LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers who kept winning the East. So, um, you know, definitely good that it's more competitive now. And then moving on, we have Milwaukee beating Chicago 4-1. We have Giannis, Genesis Acampo, averaging 20, about just under 29 points per, yes, just under 29 points per game. Um, Chris Middleton getting injured. Very unfortunate for Milwaukee, and it is a huge disadvantage. But Chicago did not, was not able to take advantage of the opportunity. Milwaukee went 2-0 and without Middleton and two impressive wins over Chicago. In game four, when they went up 3-1, DeRozan and Zach Lee both walked off the court in frustration. DeRozan only averaging 20 points in the series. Um, not Did not shoot well in game one when they lost. Definitely proved himself in game two, but definitely needs to do, be better in game three and four and five, obviously, those games that they lost. Unfortunately, you know, Alonzo was out. Alex Caruso had a concussion in game five, so he was out. Um, and then Zach Levine was placed in health and safety protocol so obviously it was a huge loss for game five but um definitely disappointing for chicago DeRozan overall did not have a good series um the question that i think both of us are asking is like was that expected of him um i think from from myself for myself i think that you know DeRozan. i mean i mean obviously he had high expectations going into the playoffs the Bulls were looking like a bright team, maybe to go to the conference finals, but it's all about experience. Zach Levine's in his first playoff series in a long time, or maybe I don't even remember. If it's, 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 it's his first as a Bull. I remember that. Um, but then Fusevich in his first playoff series, other than the bubble, um, <laughs> you know, you know, you had, you had, yeah, like these guys are in the first playoff series. Alex Crusoe is probably the one guy who has like the most, um, not even experience because he won a, he won a title in Disneyland, but um, no, but DeMar DeRozan had experience in the playoffs. So I think we did expect more of him. I don't think it's, I mean, obviously it's not good that he played bad, but I think he definitely needs to step up next year. The Bulls are looking like a very bright team. I, I mean, obviously in the regular season, we all knew that they're not, they're not good against the best teams in the East. 
they had a bad record against you know the teams like the Bucks, the Celtics, the Heat, Raptors, all those top teams in the East and the Sixers. So, um, they, in my opinion, the Bulls had a good season. I mean, definitely a big improvement over last season, uh, making the playoffs. I think the next step is obviously going far. I don't think they need to do much in the offseason because all these all the guys are relatively younger. DeMar DeRozan's 32. He still has like five, six, seven more years in him. So, I, in my opinion, everyone stays where they are and just I think injuries got to the best of them. Um, but what, what do you think about the series? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. It's just like, I mean, even just like the Nets, they were also the one seed at one point, the Bulls um, in like December, early January, and everybody's like, wow, the Bulls are really, really good. Um, they did have some injuries. Zach Levine had got injured, um, and that really hurt them. Lonzo Ball being injured the whole year, basically, uh, I think also was a big blow, along with Alex Caruso. They lost their starting and backup point guards uh, for a lot of time. I think the Bulls... I think, yeah, I think they just keep it together, try again next year. Hopefully Lonzo Ball can be healthy because he's had injury problems for his whole career now uh, in pretty much every season. But uh, I think the Bucks are just too much. I was surprised that, the, that they beat them so easily uh, without Chris Middleton, though. So definitely very impressive from the Bucks. But, again, not having Chris Middleton for possibly second round could also be a little bit hurtful. So I guess I guess we can move on. To, I, I think the most fun series uh, this year in the East, at least, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers beat the Toronto Raptors in six games. Um, so Philly actually went up 3-0 after an insane Joel Embiid game winner. That was one of the craziest shots uh, I've definitely seen. And after that, Philly, uh, Toronto came back, won two games, and then got blown out in game six uh, and got their hearts broken. But the series, uh, Joel Embiid had a pretty good series. He averaged 26 points, 11 rebounds. Tyrese Maxey averaged 21 points per game. Uh, very good for them. James Harden, he was okay. Um, he didn't really shoot that well. and He only averaged 19. Uh, on the Raptors side, Pascal Siakam averaged 22. He was having great games towards the end of the series. OG Adenubi had a good series. Gary Trent. The Raptors had... Seven guys in double figures, which kind of shows their depth as a team, but it was not enough uh, to stop Philly. So any thoughts on the series, Daniel? Any thought? No. <laughs> Dude, like we were injured the entire series. Like it's so frustrating. To, I, like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not a Bulls fan. I, I don't know how it feels to have a guy injured the whole year, but come on. You have Scotty Barnes injured game one. He's out two games. Like, it's so upsetting, um, especially when you're playing with a team as good as Philly. Then, you know, Fred Van Vliet gets his hip injured in game four or, yeah, game four. You had, you know, OG was injured right before the series. Gary Trent was sick the entire series. Um, like, our whole our, – all of our, our, everybody in our starting five – not probably not Siakam, but everybody else had injuries. Um, I mean, a 3 0, I just didn't expect anything. I was just kind of looking at the bright side. <laughs> I didn't even watch game five and or game four and five, um, uh, because I just thought it was over. But then, you know, I mean, we did get that win in Philly, which was impressive. But you know, obviously, game six, there was a lot of drama in that game. I mean, um, you know. 
there were a lot of fights between the rappers and Embiid. The chants were toxic, chanting F Embiid. Um, you know, Chris Boucher hit Embiid in the head, elbowed him bad in the head. And I don't know if it was um, intentional, but that led to Embiid being out against Miami. Um, and my and Embiid got stitches above his eye for that when Siakam hit him. Um, but I mean, I'm happy. I mean, Scotty Barnes on rookie of the year, which is good for our team. It shows that, you know, we're, we're a good team. Um, we definitely, we weren't expected to come close. To, we were expected to probably be a playing team. Um, but, you know, like if you look at the names of everybody on our roster, nobody really stands out other than maybe Siakam and Van Vliet and obviously Scotty Barnes. So um, with not having the best roster, we did come to, and especially winning two games in a row, um, when, you know, there is, pre- there is more pressure on Philly for closing it out. But for us, there's like more pressure because you don't want to get swept and just like go back home right away. So we did a good job of kind of, you know, com- almost coming back. We're the 14th team in NBA history to do it. So um, I think that if we wouldn't have gone swept, I would have had um, like, I would have had different feelings than, you know, obviously losing a six, but you know, game six, the Philadelphia had a great James Harden played really good in game six. Um, obviously they they had the momentum. They were we were only down by one at halftime, but then Philadelphia had a humongous third quarter, um, outscoring us by 22, I believe. So obviously having a, a big um a big quarter and you know, you know, having pulling the dagger in the series. Um, but I think we're good for the future. Um, uh, we have a young team. Um, no, but there's nobody there above 30 except for Thaddeus Young, who's 33, and everyone else is in their 20s. So we have a young team. So I definitely think that we have the potential to be super good in the coming years. Um, but it is hard with you know all the competition and, and credit to the Sixers because Joel played good. Um, you know, obviously in game three, that it could have gone either way. Um, if you you know, if you missed the if you missed the game winner, we could have won the game. We could have been up three-two going to Toronto, but you never know how the series could have gone. Tyrese Maxey played absolutely insane um, in games one and two. So um, he was just making three after three after three. And the Sixers did a really good job of making plays to get a corner three. Like they, they, the, the, the Sixers and the Heat are the two best teams in the league, in my opinion, of doing that. So it's going to be cool to see what they're going to do in their series because they always draw up good plays to get a guy in the corner. In this, in this series, it was mostly Danny Green and Tobias Harris who had those looks in the corner. Um, and then obviously, Joel, I mean, uh, the Raptors fans hate him. I mean, I guess I don't, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if I hate him because I didn't think that he was going to play good. Because, He's very you know, cocky, though, I will say. Yeah, he was cocky, which was frustrating because he told Nick Nurse, um, I mean, we're family friendly. We don't curse out here. So, <laughs> um, but he told Nick Nurse to stop, you know, be wording about the calls. Um, but in reality, I mean, not even if I was a Sixers fan, like the calls were bad in games one and two, even though like, if you look at the stats, we shot like 10 free throws in games one and two. They shot like 50 free throws. So they definitely got the big advantage on well, that. It's because I mean, it's because they have Harden and Embiid who like literally get more fouls than everybody in the league. Yeah, probably. but but yeah, but the thing with Harden and Embiid, it wasn't even Harden, it was all Embiid. And a lot of them were bad calls. Like even I don't know, I don't, I don't care now. It's over. Like he, like still saying it. it's not because I, I think it's if if it would have been less 
bad call, if there would have been less of that bad calls, it, the games would have been cl- a little bit closer. But still, the Sixers play good. I mean, especially not not having Matisse Thibel, who's one of their best defenders in Toronto, with him not being vaccinated. Um, they definitely yeah. did a good job. Um, but they, they have a great team. Like, I didn't even think their team would be good. But then looking at their starting line, if you have Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Danny Green, that's, that's a stacked starting lineup. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the coming years for the Raptors. And I didn't expect us to even make the playoffs. So that's good for us. Um, so we have a little intermission, if you will. Um, we have a little bit of a trivia for Agermarish. And I do have to find. Ready. Yes. Okay. So we're going to go series by series, and I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to answer. Okay. All right, let's do it. So we're going to start off with the Celtics versus the Nets. And you cannot look at, at our plan, and you cannot look at anything. All so, right, okay, okay. Okay, so who scored the most points in the Celtics versus Nets series as an individual player? That's so easy. That's so, Jason Tatum, obviously. Okay, so also for Jason Tatum, there are two more categories that he had the most in the entire series. What, what were they? Ooh. Oh, my God. Two more categories he had the most in? Oh, that's difficult. Assists? It's Correct. One. Okay, Correct. let's go. I feel like it's going to be like something random, like, like blocks. It's not blocks, no. Uh... Steals? Okay, I'll, no, I'll give you a hint. It's related to shooting. Oh, yeah, the most threes? Yeah, threes. Oh, okay. Wow, actually, I didn't expect that. Yeah, Tatum made 13 three-pointers, and he scored 118 points and got 29 assists in that series. So definitely a competitive series. Heat versus Hawks, who had the most points in that series? Uh, Jimmy Buckets, clearly, oh my obviously. God, of course. Okay, there's one more category. What category did he propel in? Oh my god. Uh definitely not threes because he does not shoot threes at all. Or shoot well even. Um it's gotta be you know, it's gonna be steals. Correct. Let's go. Jimmy Butler had eleven steals in the series. Um okay, that's like, so that's like two per game, right? Yeah. Good. Okay, so, you know, since, I mean, the, some of the series are more obvious in points, but in the Sixers versus the Raptors series, there were two players who had the most steals tied. Who were they? Ooh, okay. Wait, can you give me a hint? Like, are they both on the same team, or is it like? Yeah, both okay, on the same team. Okay, they were definitely both on the Raptors. That's my first. That's co- yeah, that's correct. Um. Probably Fred Van Vliet. No, wait. Actually, no. Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet. You got Fred Van Vliet right, but not Scotty Barnes. Uh, who else is on the left? Oh, OG Ananobi. Nope. Uh, Pascal Siakam? Uh, yep. Okay, let's go. Okay. Next, we had... Who had more three pointers made in their first round series, Clay Thompson or Desmond Bain? Ooh, you know what? You think it's Clay Thompson, but it's got to be Desmond Bain. He went off versus it's Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain had 27 threes and Clay had 22. 
Oh, it's pretty so, close. Yes, it was close. That's what made okay. average like 20 points per game in that series. He was crazy. Okay. So who for the Memphis Grizzlies had the most assists in the series over the Timberwolves? And a hint is he had 63 assists in the entire series. And he played for the Grizzlies? Yes. Oh, okay. It's either John Morant or Tyus Jones. It's got to be. I think it's John Morant. Yep, John Morant. Because he had that. He had like 15 assists in the game. I remember watching that one. That was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. Okay. What the heck? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. A- another question. I actually don't know the answer to this myself. Um, so who had the most points in the Mavericks versus Jazz series? Oh, I, I actually know this one because I was writing it in the plan before. Jalen Brunson. Yes. Okay. Who had the, the most assists? Jalen Brunson. Nope. Uh, Mike Conley. Nope. Spencer Dinwiddie. Nope. Bro, who? No way it's Luca. Nope. I I don't know. Um, <laughs> imagine if it was like Rudy Gobert. No, it's definitely not. No, no, no. Uh, Donovan Mitchell? Yep. Really? That's actually pretty crazy. Okay, last question. We had the Bucks versus the Bull series. Who had the most steals? And a hint is. He did not start on either team. He was a bench player. Caruso. Nope. The goat didn't lead and steal. Um, who even plays in the Bulls bench? I don't even remember. Let's see. He was on the Bulls bench. He's on the Bulls bench. Bulls bench. Um, it's gotta be what's his name. Are you searching it up? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this off memory. Is it Patrick Williams or does he start? He starts and no, it's not him. Um, oh, oh, I know. It's got to be, what's his, uh, he plays, he plays point guard too. Uh, Kobe White. Nope. I don't even know anybody else on the Bulls. On his the Bulls name, bench. his name starts with a J. The J? J-A. J-A-V. J-A-V. I have no idea. I Oh, oh, oh. It's like, ja, I forget his name. It's like Javante Green, right? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go. Let's go. Exactly. Okay, that concludes the trivia. Good job. Okay, so next we're going to move on to the Western Conference. We have the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Grizzlies beat them. In six games, um, you know, we had a lot of people average a lot of points. We had Desmond Bain average 23 and a half points, John Morant 21 and a half. Ten for the Wolves, you had Anthony average 20, just over 25 points per game. Minnesota showed three different games with double digit leads. And coincidentally, I don't remember the stat, but I think it's all the games in Minnesota or something like that where the Grizzlies won. It was where a protester chained themselves to the net. Or something oh like my that. god, I saw that. That was so yeah. weird. Like, like I think one person tried to glue themselves to the floor also or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that's been being a phenomenal series. 
in my opinion, he was the best player in the Grizzlies. He definitely had a good playoff debut. Um, and for Minnesota, they had a good playoff series. I mean, they made they made it really competitive. I mean, obviously they had opportunities to close it out, but they obviously didn't take them. Um, so I definitely think that they could do a better job of that. But overall, good season. Um, they were they were three and sixteen to start the season, which was absolutely terrible. So you know to come back from that, make the make the play in, um, beat the Clippers, then go and get two games off of the Grizzlies, who are who were an uprising team and they're you know probably most improved team of the NBA if that's even an award. So um, in my opinion, that's what I think about the Grizzlies. Yeah, I think I think actually I saw an interview with John Morant's dad. I think ESPN did it. Oh yeah, I saw that. <laughs> he was like, they were like, "How did John Moran play?" And he said, "Trash." Yeah, <laughs> which was so honest. I mean, but it was it was kind of true because, um, yeah, he did average over twenty points per game, but he shot he shot under forty percent, and compared to Desmond Bain, who shot lights out and averaged more points per game, he didn't really uh, do that well. He did have he did very good assist numbers, and uh, overall he was pretty solid, but like nothing compared to what he was doing in the regular season, really. So. Hopefully he can have a better one versus the Warriors, but we'll see. I think overall, the Timberwolves. I don't think I think like the Grizzlies. The Timberwolves were probably better. Like if you looked at the duration of the series, like the Timberwolves were probably outscoring the Grizzlies like for most of the series, but then the Grizzlies just came back and won in some key moments, and so that's why they actually won the whole thing. Which like yeah. like. Like, how do you like choke the, two 20 point leads in the same game? Yeah, there was there was one game like that game, they were down by 27, I believe, and they came back and won. Like, that's crazy. But we can speak next of their opponent, the Golden State Warriors, defeated the, the Nuggets really impressively, four games to one. We had Steph Curry. He came off the bench and averaged 28 points per game. In game five, they had their most stacked starting lineup of all time. We had Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. And then off the bench. The new death lineup. Exactly. You had Gary Payton, the second coming off the bench. Otto Porter Jr., Neymar Bellica. You had just an outstanding bench. You had Jonathan Kaminga also off the bench. So, you know, you also had, you know, Clay averaged 22.6, Jordan Poole 21. So everybody had a really impressive suit. Nicole Jokic, of course, averaging 31 points per game in this series. <laughs> I'm, I'm leading his team. Um, the Nuggets need to improve on just, like, you know, having a, a key balanced roster because it just felt like Nicole Jokic was just trying to carry and carry and carry. His back probably hurts so <laughs> bad right now. Um, but, you know, the Warriors won in five. Um, you know, Jam- Jamal Murray and MPJ are still unhealthy, so – I think that even even without them, they they actually didn't play bad at all. But I think that I mean, you had what would you had Monte Morris averaging fourteen, you had Will Barr and Aaron Gordon both averaging about fourteen, and then you had Boogie Cousins averaging eleven points per game. So and everybody else averaged under ten. But you know, if you add Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. to that lineup, it's going to be a good team. So I, I, there's no regrets for Denver. Um, I just think the Warriors played outstanding. Um, and Jordan Poole is probably the third option, I think. I mean, I mean, Andrew Wiggins is obviously an all-star and everything, and then Clay Thompson, but Clay Thompson is like he's playing like an all-star now. Andrew Wiggins is, you know, playing average, um, just below average in the regular season. So I think that Jordan Poole is playing better. So he will be the third option. So yeah, what like what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think like Jordan I, I could have been Andrew Wiggins, but I think now it's Jordan Poole's time. 
to shine. He's just he's having yeah. a great he had a great series overall. Like when he dropped get 30 points in game one, I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, where did he come from? Like obviously he was having a good season all year, but you don't really expect that from from him in a playoff series. And then he kept doing it. He kept averaging good numbers and shooting well. Um honestly, yeah. I think he should have won most of he was yeah. like he was in the G League last year. Now he's dropped like thirty in playoff games as like on a, on a contender. Yeah, I mean, I I put out the we put out the Instagram post for like, a, like almost a week ago about that. How you know maybe Jordan Poole was robbed or not, but I don't know because like John Morant is you know he played outstanding this year, so it's not like he he played a little bit better. I mean, he he did have a bigger span in point averages, so. I'm not really sure, but I think we can speak um, on another strong team. The Dallas Mavericks, they had they played the first three games, I believe, of the series without Luka Doncic um, going two and one in those games, but then eventually winning game six. Bogdan Bogdanovich, how did you miss that game winner? He was wide open in game six for the game winner, and he blew it. Donovan Mitchell, 2020-2022, same scenario, except it was game seven in 2020, but – just an overall recap, you got Jalen Brunson having the best series of his life, um, 28 points per game. Uh, Spencer Denwoody with 15 points per game. Luca with 29 points per game, even, even coming back through an injury. They are without um, – they are without Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, but they have sh- shown no mercy, um, you know, um, Luka won his first playoff series, which is everyone's hyped about. And they're playing a really strong opponent, which honestly, it's going to be a tight series with Phoenix. Um, but Utah, Yadama Mitchell averaging just over 25 points per game. Rudy Gobert averaging third or only averaging 12 points per game, um, averaging 13 rebounds, though. So, um, hmm. I mean, I'm not going to blame the Jazz for losing two of those first three games because Jalen Brunson played outstanding. It was on a, honestly unexpected. Um, and Utah did win game one, so they did what they were supposed to do, win one on the road. Um, then, But then obviously losing one at home was not good. But is Donovan Mitchell out? I don't know. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he seems frustrated. Um yeah, it's, it's it's a tough scenario for Donovan Mitchell. I'm not sure if he's going to leave or stay, but um, I think the Mavericks could make a deep run, possibly. I mean, it's going to be extremely tough with Phoenix, obviously with Phoenix having a lot of experience, and it's going to be exciting to see how Dallas can kind of stay in the moment in the second round, obviously not having as much experience as those other teams. But, um, yeah, that's what I think about it. Like, what do you think about it? Yeah, but I feel like even though Jalen Brunson played really outstanding, he dropped like 41 in game two and all that. I still am like, I don't know. How do you, especially with how many people the Jazz have, if you just put it on paper at least, they have Donovan Mitchell plus Rudy Gobert, who's won, what, three defensive players of the years already? Something um, like that, yeah. Something like that. Mike Conley, who's a great player. They have solid bench players. Um, Jordan Clarkson, Royce Sonio, Boyan Bogdanovich was supposed to be pretty good. He has been pretty good, too. Um, so I feel like they did everything right with their roster, but it just hasn't been working out at all these past three years. Um, they've, they've pretty much lost to underdogs each time. They, they choked a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. Then they lost the Clippers without Kawhi. 
uh, last year. And now they lost the Mavericks, who didn't have Luka for three games and were definitely an underdog um, then. So I just feel like – I think Donovan Mitchell is probably going to request a trade soon. Yeah, I mean, Utah Utah's that one team that's like – they all, Utah's a great team that's starting out well in like playoff series and right, just games in general going up by 15 and then – but then blowing it. So, I mean – I'm kind of comparing this to my own personal experience as, as a tennis player, but kind of just like not relaxing after you're leading, just like keep the pressure. Like my dad's had a quote. He said, like, when you keep the foot on the neck, you don't, you, you, you have to like choke them out, not, not just like put it on their neck. Right. You have to like, keep going, keep going, keep pushing. Right. So I definitely think that the judges have to keep the momentum up, especially if you're at home and you have a big lead because you know, the fans are going to rally with you. Um, and obviously, if you lose, it's not going to be as good. They, they might be energetic, but I think that we should move on to their opponents. Um, the Phoenix Suns with the Pelicans in six games. Devin Booker was injured in uh, one of the games. I think game not, one, right? Or game two. Something he like played, he got injured in game two, I believe, um, where the Pelicans split the series. But I think that the Suns did great. Curse Paul averaged 22 points. He shot 100% from the field in game six, 14 for 14. That was insane. Um, he shot 57% on the entire series. Um, but DeAndre Aiden averaging 21 points in an impressive series. Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, Cameron Johnson, you know, all of them having a great series. Um, JaVale McGee contributing well off the bench, as well as Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne, Landry Shamit. They have a really balanced roster, and I think that's going to be an advantage for them coming into the series versus the Mavericks. The Pelicans, though, definitely a successful season. You had Brandon Ingram with 27 points per game, CJ McCollum with 22. So the Pelicans definitely doubt, doubt everyone doubted them, and they definitely came out and played well. They they were in the plane as a 10th seed. They won two playing games, came to a series. Everyone expected the Suns to go and sweep or something like that, but even with Devin Booker's injury, they still managed to play well against the non-injured, the, with the full healthy Suns. So I think give credit to the Pelicans for just, you know, playing amazing. I mean, no, I didn't expect them to even play this good. I mean, you know, the Suns didn't even play bad. The Suns did a good job. So the, the one guy that I liked a lot was Jose Alvarez. I mean, he was hilarious <laughs> with his with his mechanics to get the steals. Um but Zion did say that he will sign a contract extension before, like right on the dot. So definitely nothing to worry about for, for New Orleans. Zion is going to stay. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think. Um, and Akinwich, you can add you can add your thoughts to the series as well. Yeah, I feel like if they had Zion, they, they might give the Pelicans a little bit of trouble, honestly. Um, might go to like seven. I think the Suns would close it out. But yeah, and definitely- also – also, CJ McCollum did say that he wants to retire in New Orleans. So, looks like he will be finishing his career there. And in my opinion, I don't think anybody on New Orleans needs to leave. They're always they're a young team, except for maybe Valanciunas, who's twenty nine, but and CJ McCollum was thirty. But they're a real, they're a young team. Brendan Ingram is twenty four years old. He's young, so um, I definitely think that the the Pelicans can do really good in the next like, two three years. Yeah, and I remember like. In the summer last year, everybody was thinking about how they lost Lonzo Ball, and they were like, "Oh, this is such a downgrade. Like, what was the whole AD trade for?" Blah 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 blah. 
And then, like, starting the season, they were, like, a 1-12 or something crazy. So bad. Worse in the, uh, in the West. And then they just completely turned it around. I mean, that, I feel like that's a lot a theme of this series. Like, a lot of teams just – they completely flipped. Like, the Nets, Bulls, they went down. Celtics went up. Pelicans went up. Lakers were just bad all the time. Um, <laughs> but, like, my point is, anyway, that they, they did a really good job recovering um, from how they started at the beginning of the season. And, yeah, they look like they have a solid squad. Of, I mean, with Zion, I think that – I would like to see the Pelicans play the Grizzlies. Like, Zion versus Ja, that would be so much fun. Yeah, um, that would be fun. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to conclude, I think that we can just, you know, just say our, our favorite first-round series, in my opinion. I mean, I watched a little bit of all of them. I watched most of the Raptors when I was being a Raptors fan. But, in my opinion, the most entertaining one was probably Grizzlies-Timberwolves. I mean, it was so fun to watch. Um, just the whole trash, all the trash talk, all the entertainment. The one, the one game where Usher and John Moran's dad were on the, it <laughs> was just so funny. So, um, then the Celtics Nets series, Boston just played insane. So it was good to watch them. Um, so yeah, in my opinion, I think it was probably Grizzlies Timberwolves. That was just like so, and I'm and I'm really excited. Even even though my team's not there, I'm I'm excited because the second round series are all really good. So. It's going to be a fun, fun rest of the year. Yeah, for me, it was probably Celtics-Nets number one, then Grizzlies-Timberwolves. I like Celtics-Nets. Like, even though they got swept, and I like, I like the Nets, I'm a Nets fan, like, the games were still entertaining. I still had a lot of fun watching them. That game one was so oh, yeah, like, nerve-wracking. That game winner was insane. Game three, game four were also pretty good games. So, I, I and, and game two was pretty good, too. I mean, the Celtics, they came back. They had nice runs. They were making crazy clutch shots. Um, so I think I think all the games were pretty good, even though it was a sweep. So definitely Celtics Nets. But honestly, the second round is even more exciting than the first round. Like Warriors Grizzlies, that's gonna be a good one. Suns Mavericks is gonna be a great one. Um, I don't know how this the Philly Heat series will go with if Embiid's injured, but I think the Western Conference is gonna be they're gonna, the series is gonna be great. Yeah. Well, okay, guys, that is going to conclude today's podcast. A great, great, great analysis of the first round. And we're probably going to bring another podcast during the second round and after. So thank you guys for watching. Make sure you subscribe on all the platforms. And me and Aikman, we'll see you guys next time.